a really good first step that needs to be taken for that is something I know you've talked about on here before, which is farmers and regular everyday people need to have a better relationship between them. I mean, I know that before you and I started, like, even became friends, I don't think I knew a single person in agriculture except for one family and the only thing that they did in terms of agriculture was pesticides. And while that is an an important part of agriculture, whether or not some people will agree with that, it is, it's not the part of agriculture that people need to form a healthy relationship with. They need to form a healthy understanding of it, for sure, but they need to talk to all sides of the spectrum, not just you know, one person who works for a pesticide company. So because of that, and I was also fallen under the trope at the time that pesticides are evil and they're going to kill us and we shouldn't be putting pesticides on our food because I was very uneducated about what pesticides do and how they affect us. But when I met you and you started introducing me to more people related to agriculture and more people who were actually hands-on with it, I started kind of changing my mindset and going, oh, this is actually super important. There's not enough people who have that healthy relationship because it's like you've said before, they don't like talking to each other. Welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brian Black, and in today's episode, we're talking all about Outer Worlds. Now, this is a game that I personally haven't played, but it is a uh, favorite of our guest today, my girlfriend, Gemma. Gemma, go ahead and say hi to the crowd. Hey, everybody. So, in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about Outer Worlds and its relationship with our whole theme of this mini-series, which is, you know, the relationship between agriculture and society. And as Gemma has brought up to me, it's basically the opposite of Wally, which was our episode last week. And, you know, in, in Wally, obviously, you have this whole, you know, this whole battle between Earth and humanity and having a good relationship with nature and using agriculture as a means of taking care of the land. And neglecting agriculture is what ultimately led to the downfall of Earth on Wally. In Outer World, it seems to be kind of an opposite situation. So you want to go ahead and, and give us a little summary of what Outer Worlds is all about? So for anyone who has played Outer Worlds out there, you're going to know that this isn't the biggest portion of the game, but it is quite a, quite a large little twist that you uncover throughout the storyline, especially depending on what choices you make, since it is a fairly choice-based game. But in Outer Worlds... One of the biggest issues you uncover is that the reason everybody left Earth, similar to Wally, is because it became uninhabitable. The soil was no longer producing food. They couldn't live off of the Earth anymore. So they left to go find other planets to help sustain life. However, while there are lots of crops and they are farming on all these lands and they are, you know, producing food... One of the things you find out is 
the soil on the new planets that they're living off of do not have the nutritional value to support life. So it's a little bit of an opposite issue of the fat people in Wally yeah. <laughs> overeating. Yeah. So yeah, so that 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 kind of poses a, a different what if question that's still interesting and still you know is relevant to our topic today, which is you know again how do we prevent this from happening? How do we make sure that we have a good enough relationship with nature, with earth, and with agriculture to ensure that we never have to come to this conclusion? And again, it's all going to come down to education at the end of the day. It's kind of the whole purpose of, of doing this podcast, but it's it's more than just that. There needs to be conversations held about certain particular topics regarding how we're going to handle, you know, like like Gemma mentioned, the soil nutrition, you know, that, that's a big topic that a lot of people tend to not have a very strong handle of because people don't tend to realize that soil is one of the integral parts of having healthy crops and having healthy food. And that if you don't have sufficient soil, then you're not going to have su sufficient forms of uh, or a, a sufficient source of food. And so that, you know, it, it poses an interesting question because you see that in Wally, you see that in even like the good dinosaur, like we talked about in a few episodes back, um, in Outer Worlds, like in all these mediums, you see soil as this integral part of the food chain, and it just kind of gets left out of the conversation nowadays. Soil scientists are, are becoming more and more common, and you know, looking into the, the science and, and, and importance of soil throughout history is becoming more mainstream, which is awesome, but it needs to be something that a lot of people are aware of that way we know to not destroy soil or we know to not leach it or we know to not build on top of it because as we talked about before soil that has been built on it if it has a found excuse me a foundation on it it's going to take a few hundred years to be able to get that soil back to a place where we can actually farm it again so it, it opens up a kind of an interesting can of worms for how we go about solving this issue and i definitely We've had past conversations before about the importance of soil, and it's something that I was introduced to from conversations with you, but I never really understood how much people didn't understand the importance of the nutrition in the soil and taking care of it and giving back to the earth so that it can give to us. Until I was looking into doing a little catch-up research on Outer Worlds last night on Reddit to prepare for this episode... When I saw one guy comment on a post about the food shortage in the game, how is the food not sustainable? Because all we need to live off of is sugars and carbohydrates, which are the same thing, first of all, and water. So as long as there's sugar or carbohydrates in the food, what makes it unable to survive off of or thrive off of? Because we don't need a lot of it. And that's the comment that I read. And I realized, wow. Some people really don't know about the importance of getting nutrition from the soil in order to survive. No, they do not. Because people aren't taught about essential nutrients and how nutrition works. I mean, we hear all the stuff about carbs and protein and lipids and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's a lot of jargon that's, you know, really difficult to, to kind of, you know, decompose if you don't really understand what's going into it. But at the end of the day, all it comes down to is there are nutrients that your body can make and there's nutrients that your body can't make. And there's actually quite a few nutrients your body can't make. And that's why we have to eat food because we need those nutrients. And like we just talked about, people don't realize the food that we eat isn't just raw nutrient. It's, you know, the food that we eat, even if we eat, like, let's just say that we eat, 
you know, a salad that's composed of all the same, you know, crops, and then we eat the same, we eat the same salad the next day, but it came from a different farm, they may have entirely different nutrient contents just because the crops are grown in different soils. And it's not because one farmer is better than another, but because of how nature works, it's sporadic. You, know, you can't guarantee that this crop is going to have exactly this percentage of nutrients. We kind of guesstimate on that kind of stuff. So like spinach, you know, which is a high in iron, it's one of my favorite crops of all time because I grew up watching Popeye and I just love spinach. It may be high in iron, but like the percentage of iron that it has may depend very heavily on what soil it was grown in because it's it's high iron content depends on on how much iron it can pull from the soil because like us we can't you know crops and, and animals can't just produce all their own nutrients they have to get some from the soil or from other crops or from you know whatever is around them and so it's it's important that people understand that that you know that's why some you know when some people say that some food is healthier than others it's it's really hard to justify that because even two foods that are the same food can be healthier than one another depending on how that animal or crop was grown and what nutrients were available to it when it was being harvested yeah i totally know a lot of people who wouldn't understand that including members of my own family actually who would probably say but spinach is spinach no matter what <laughs> even though it can be two completely different nutritional values as you just mentioned mm -hmm. the other part about outer worlds that was very interesting in terms of food nutrition and sustainability of life is part of the big secret that you uncover is the companies providing the food and manufacturing it and growing it are adding artificial fillers into the food with no nutritional value whatsoever thinking that adding the nutritional values that are artificial would increase the sustainability of life that the food provides when in reality they're realizing it's actually helping kill the people faster than just simply giving them kind of nutritionally crappy food <laughs> yeah that's unfortunately that's something that is not out of the realm of possibility for our own reality a lot of companies or governments or people in general don't have a firm understanding of the idea that we don't just need filler, we need, nutri need nutrient-dense food, you know. If you can fit a lot of nutrients into a small amount of food, then that's a lot better than having, you know, some food that has some nutrients and then just a lot of food that's just going to make you full. It just doesn't, doesn't pan out well for most people. It's actually why we have such an issue in the United States right now with obesity, because a lot of people just eat filler foods, or they eat food that are, are not very nutrient-dense, or they are nutrient-dense, but they also have a lot of other stuff that they don't need in there and, and you know it's just it's a whole mess but it's something that we actually see in wally -E as well you know I, I don't mean to, to pull us back to last week's episode but again we're talking about, about that comparison between the two um in wally -E, you know we had this whole issue with you know the government basically said like hey earth is uninhabitable we're going to take care of you we'll just give you everything that you need to live and we didn't actually see anybody die in Wally. -E. You know, we didn't see any of like the the humans struggle or like get sick or old or anything like that. They all looked pretty fine. They were just really really fat. Um, but there was still a lot of health issues regarding those people that they just weren't even aware of. And you know, it wasn't until they learned what farming was, until they learned what 
had happened, you know, how the government basically took away their their ability to, to sustain themselves, that they realized how much trouble they were in until they could get back to Earth and kind of build themselves a foundation of some kind of, you know, structure of, of, of food sustenance. And it was interesting because it almost took, like, the government to fizzle out and for there to be no government for them to be able to kind of find a way to sustain themselves again. And it seems like in Outer Worlds that's a similar situation that the government is kind of pulling some strings that are, are what they say is in the best interest of, of, of humanity, but is really not doing all that great. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, in terms of Wally and the filler foods, one thing that I think people don't really realize either is there are two completely different kinds of filler foods in this world. There's ones that you can find naturally through salads and such. Mm -hmm. And then all of the, you know, Cheez-Its and... (laughs) Yeah. And goldfish and all of these snacky foods that they make so extremely easy to just munch on throughout the day, but nobody realizes is actually possibly going to kill them if they continue to eat it in the long run. But I don't think people really realize, you know, you can get filler foods that are quote-unquote healthy for you as well as well as people not realizing that what they're eating is filler foods because they don't kind of people just kind of snack mindlessly we've been trained to snack mindlessly whether we're watching netflix or youtube or doing homework we just kind of grab the nearest bag of chips that we can and just munch on it until we realize we're full and we didn't even realize that we were making ourselves full they don't realize how detrimental that can be to their health. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and that's, you know, it's a conversation that, I mean, this goes back to a, a larger conversation that, that we've had in the past, which is that, you know, there just needs to be better education about nutrient about nutrition and about having a relationship with your food and not just eating it for the sake of eating, you know? Like, eating is good. People need to eat. I I always encourage others that they need to eat food because food has this kind of transformative property about it. It makes you happier on average. It, it kind of lowers stress. That's why stress eating is such a common issue. It's something that a lot of people, including myself, deal with. Um, but eating is a very good thing to do, but you need to have a healthy relationship with your food if you're going to do that. Because like we said before, if you're just going to eat a bunch of Cheez-Its or, you know, other artificial foods, which there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with artificial foods in moderation, but if you're just going to eat nothing but that for your entire diet, it's not going to be very good for you. Uh, in the long run, you're probably not going to feel super great. Um, you're going to be low on energy. You're going to be, you know, struggling. You're going to have some nutrient deficiency in certain areas, and it's just not fun, um, which this isn't a PSA for you guys to eat better, but you know, that helps on, on along the way, but it ties into our, our overarching conversation here about how in order to have a stronger relationship between, you know, society and nature, between society and agriculture, there needs to be a better understanding of why all these things are important, about why food is important, about why having a good relationship with that food and with the producer of that food is important. And it's something that, like, you know, in today's day and age, nutrition is everything. Everyone's freaking out about the new diet that they're on or about, you know, eating this food or not or not eating this food or, you know, avoid this label and, and don't avoid this label and, you know, all that kind of stuff. People are, are, you know, crazy about that kind of stuff. But what they're missing the point on is not, you know, what things they should be buying in a store, but where those things come from in the first place. 
you know, people are always talking about how they want to support small farmers. They don't want to support big corporate farmers, but they don't understand how to look for the difference. They don't understand what a corporate farmer even is. You know, we've talked in the for we talked before about factory farms and how they're not really what people say they are. Um, there's just a larger conversation conversation as a whole that I think needs to be implemented more into the educational system, but that's a whole separate conversation about how having a strong relationship with the food and with the entire process the food takes to get from point A to, to your plate is more important, you know, the more we, we kind of go down this path of losing our connection with agriculture, you know, and as we've seen through Outer Worlds, through Wally, through all these different mediums, not taking care of, of the earth and not paying attention to agriculture is going to have detrimental effects on us at some point. And if we can figure out space travel before that happens, then we might be okay for a little while. But if not, or if we can just, you know, forget about that part and fix the problem before it becomes a problem, then we might be in somewhat of a better shape. But that's kind of my, my two cents on the nutrition <laughs> issue. I know that in terms of forming a better relationship with food... Growing up, I was a 16-year-old girl at one point. All 16-year-old girls have a bad relationship with food. And if you say you didn't, you're either lying or had really, really good influences on why you had a good relationship with food at that age. Because we all know how social media affects, you know, the way we should view ourselves and the way that we think we should be eating and the portion sizes we should be having and you know, don't eat this and don't eat that, but eat more of this. And there's so many different, it's like you said, the diet trends, the fads, the what's hot this week. They tell you what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And it just, it has such a harsh impact on the minds of young girls who are sucked into social media in these days and ages. And I know I was one of those girls for a very long time. And I'm just now starting to mend my relationship with food again and actually a big portion of what's helped me mend my relationship with food is all of the conversations that you and I have about where it comes from and you know why it's good for me and why it's not good for me and the idea of well if I eat this right now it's both going to be extremely good for me and it's going to give back to someone I may not know but someone who is literally working their life away to help feed people and keep people healthy and keep people strong and I think if a lot of people especially you know young people who fall into this trap so easily of the fads and the diets and all of that I think if they learned a little bit more about where their food came from and why what they're eating is or isn't good for them it would make such a huge difference in you know, the eating disorders that we see in young people and the miscommunication about why farmers are bad, even though farmers really aren't bad, <laughs> like, at all. <laughs> I think if we had a conversation with, you know, the adults so that they could teach the young people and even teaching the young people directly, people need to know what goes into their food, mm -hmm. where it comes from, why it's important, and they just don't they see a package on a shelf in a grocery store and as our lovely canadians have said who needs farms we have grocery stores 
that's the mindset I think most people end up falling into without even realizing that they fell into it. Because they don't see beyond the grocery store walls. Yeah. And just for the record, I know I have a lot of Canadian audience members. We're not targeting all Canadians. There was a very particular <laughs> Canadian that said this, and we're not a fan of him, but that's beside the point. <laughs> I know the, you Canadians know better than that because we have talked about this. But, yes, that that is a conversation that definitely needs to be had because there are even people in the United States that say that. We don't need, you know, we don't need farms. We have grocery stores. It's... <sighs> Where do you think the food on the grocery stores came from? The factories. <sighs> Obviously. It came from the factories. But it, no, you, you make a solid point. And, and, the, and this is kind of my message towards agriculturalists as well. There needs to be a better relationship with people who are eating the food too. You know, open up your farms, say, hey, come and see my operation. Let me teach you about where your food comes from. Let me, you know, we'll go through every step of, of, the, of the process before it gets to your plate if it makes you feel better. And that tends to work for a lot of people. I mean, there are some who have a really hard time stomaching what goes through the, the food produ- production process, not because it's bad, but just because if you're not used to it on a, on a daily basis, it can kind of seem gross. And that's understandable because we're literally eating muscle tissue, but, you know, or, or we're eating literally, you know, weeds that grew out of the ground. Like, it doesn't sound like fun stuff, but, but if you think about it, you know, we're all animals here. Like, we, we all have to eat something, and other animals eat way grosser things than we do. So it's it's important to have that understanding. I mean, I've even noticed a change in your behavior in when, when it comes to food after we've, you know, had talks, after you've gone out and met some of the cows and, and some of the, you know, the steers and the other beef animals and some of the dairy animals and, you know, gone out and seen the fields and met the pigs. And, you know, as you get acquainted with the with the origin of your food and then you get kind of explained to how that process goes you know how it goes from farm to processor to packager to store and then eventually to your plate there's this almost like a a um like an aha moment where you're like oh it's not just a steak anymore this steak was once part of an animal and i've actually met that animal and i know how that animal behaves and like you know having that relationship some people say it's 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 cruel that way you know having a relationship with your food before it becomes your food Mm -hmm. but if you think about it that way then you're you're discrediting the value of of food i mean i think it's it's more important to have a relationship with food than it is to just kind of pretend that it doesn't come that way you know like people there are some people who try to they eat steak and and they say well i'm just going to pretend it doesn't come from a cow that is the worst strategy you can use. I get that it's hard to, you know, look a cow in the eyes and then and then later eat a steak, because don't get me wrong, done that before, it feels a little weird. But when you start to have an appreciation for the process, and not just the process, but the natural aspects of it, when you actually get to work with the animals and appreciate how much work goes into keeping them as healthy and happy as possible, and then you finally get to have the finished product, and you can tell the difference between a stressed out animal and a non-stressed out animal just off of how their meat tastes. If you can tell that difference and you really get a, an appreciation for when an animal is taken care of well and and just you get that relationship with the animal itself. I mean, something that I always do whenever I eat food is I try to think about where that food came from and kind of the steps it, it got through to to get to my plate. And I always try to be thankful of the the crops and the animals that went into producing my food. Like if I'm eating a steak, I just try to think of, oh, this steak probably came from a black Angus steer, or maybe it came from a Holstein cow if it's kind of a, a cheaper steak. Um, but it tastes really good, and you know, I, I could tell this animal's taken, you know, very well taken care of, and that you know that 
it went through a lot of work to get here. So I'm very appreciative of, of that process, but that's because I was raised around that, you know, that's just something that I was, I grew up doing. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to go out there and meet a cow before they had their next steak, but I mean, it does help. And I've noticed, you know, like I said before, or like you said before, <clears throat> having that relationship has helped you a lot more with your awareness of food and your appreciation of it. Yeah, definitely. And I know out at the beef unit at the school that Brendan attends, there is a young steer, young-ish steer. He's kind of getting old now. He's getting a little old. And a young heifer that... I became very attached to because they were the first two animals that he really got me hands-on with and really introduced me to and I was able to work with. And going out and visiting them is one of my favorite pastimes ever. I absolutely love visiting them. One of them is a pet, so we're not entirely sure what's going to happen to her. However, the steer, we believe, is possibly going to end up in slaughter. At some point. At some point. And at first, when I started working with him, it was a little bit hard to accept because I really do love him. He is so much fun to work with. He's so much fun to play with. And he's really a giant softie. And a lot of people would hear all of these things and go, but you're okay with eating him one day? That doesn't make sense. But the thing that I've learned through working with him and through working with other animals now is that's their purpose. Mm -hmm. It's why they were given to us. It's why they were created. You can still have a love and appreciation for the animal and you can still enjoy the time you get to spend with them while also understanding that if he was in the wild, that's how he was going to end up either way. Mm-hmm. Bovine species in the wild don't tend to live to old ages and die of old age because they're prey animals. It's their natural spot in the food chain. We just happen to give them a better life leading up to it and use it to serve a greater purpose by feeding society. I know on the TikTok for Talk Ag to Me, I've been featured in a few videos um, explaining, you know, the difference between steers and heifers and all of that. And talking about Billy, who is, which is the name I gave the steer, I've had people be just disgusted that I can scratch his head and love on him while talking about one day turning him into a hamburger. But it's because I have an understanding that that's his purpose and I'm going to give him the best life that I can right now so that he is calm and he's comfortable and he feels safe so that when his time comes to join the natural food chain and join the process of feeding hundreds of people, <laughs> he's had the best life he could possibly have, you know, rather than if he was out in the wild scavenging, sca scavenging, probably, and being on the constant lookout for predators and being constantly stressed out, he's happy and we're doing the best that we can to make them happy and make them comfortable and make them calm. But it's that appreciation for where they come from that's helped me appreciate even more what they do for me as well. Mm 
Yeah, and I think that, you know, if if we go back in history books quite a ways, some of the earliest civilizations, even before agriculture was officially founded, you know, if we look at like Native American civilizations and, and you know, er, like early, early tribes and that sort of thing, um, which I guess technically that was after the foundation of agriculture, but not like, it's kind of a gray area. But basically, if you look at like some of those early, early, early civilizations, they all had strong relationships and appreciations for two things. First of all, the agri- the animals, and second of all, the soil. There's actually like almost like not hieroglyphics, but I can't remember what what the word is for it. Um, there's like ancient writings in like Mesopotamian area uh, areas of of the country or the the world where they actually like describe soil as almost like this holy thing you know they they describe soil as if it's like you know a a godsend because to them it was and there's a lot of soil scientists today there are beginning to realize why they valued it so much because it has an an immense level of impact on everything you know the animals they rely on the soil too because they need the crops and the crops need to need the soil to survive everything is based off of the soil and the animals i mean like a lot of Native American cultures and a lot of just other indigenous cultures are very reliant on their relationship with animals because they see animals as more than just food. You know, they see them as living beings that you have to have a strong appreciation for. They still hunted them. You know, they still killed them and ate them. And they still had that, that you know, prey-predator relationship with them, but they still saw them as as important beings. I mean, that's why certain... Uh, religions won't let you eat certain animals because they see them as sacred. Having that appreciation for the for those animals gives you a, a stronger feeling with them whenever you end up eating their products. You know, like I mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago, Native American cultures they may eat a, a buffalo or a bison, but they still will will you know praise that. You know, it's, it's still considered like one of like their spirit animals. You know, because they see it as such a valuable you know asset, and they see they're so grateful for the meat that it provided that they're willing to basically do a ritual for it for for it providing them with with sustenance i know that's kind of a long-winded way of saying what i'm trying to say but basically since the beginning of civilization since the hunters and gatherers there's been an appreciation for food and as we've civilized more and more and as society has grown and evolved that appreciation has drastically fallen and it's because we've you know we've gotten obsessed with other things technology and and art and music and all those sorts of things which are still you know incredibly important but food is something that will always be integral to life and something that should not be taken for granted until it's gone um going back to our original topic today with outer worlds from what you told me it sounds like a similar situation in which they're almost like hunters and gatherers again you know they're out trying to find ways to to grow food in in the only ways they know how and they're struggling because they don't have that relationship with with the land and and the land won't even give them everything they need because like you said this nutrient deficient if they would have had that appreciation originally they may they wouldn't have to be hunting and gathering again maybe they wouldn't have this massive war going on that you know is is happening maybe there there wouldn't be such a struggle with with the government you know, there there just seems to be so many things that have gone wrong up to that point that would be avoidable if there was some kind of better appreciation or relationship with the food and, and with how it's grown. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it all goes back to, like you said, just the very simplisticness of soil. I mean, if you think about it, 
all of us had a good relationship with soil when we were young. We played in the dirt. We enjoyed feeling it on our hands and we mixed it with water to make mud pies or potions for some. When we were younger, it's like we all had this natural instinct just to go to the dirt. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of seen as a stereotypical little kid thing to do, you know, get muddy, get dirty, roll in the grass and appreciate the feeling of it. But it was almost like, like I said, a natural instinct. Something about the dirt, something about the grass that naturally draws every child to it. They all want to be in it. They want to be covered in it. They want to play with it. They want to use it. And as adults, we tell them, don't touch the dirt. Don't touch the grass. You know, don't play in the mud. And we kind of develop this mindset as we grow older that it's bad and it's dirty and it's something that we shouldn't touch and it's seen as something, a symbol of just muddying ourselves. We use it as literal, what's the word I'm looking for? We use it as a way to say, hey, don't muddy yourself. We use it as a bad thing. We need to stop treating it as a bad thing when it's really not. It's good and it's natural and it's important. But as a society, we've shied away from the dirt. Mm -hmm. We've pushed it away from ourselves. And I think that bad relationship with dirt... I mean, it's like you told me the story of the lady who came in to your job and asked you why the corn was dirty because what are they doing in the field that's making the corn dirty how dare they (laughs) right people no longer have an appreciation for dirt and because of that they're horrified when they see it on their fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. it's like it's a bad thing it's disgraceful to have it on there we need to eliminate dirt dirt needs to go away yeah, no, people definitely have, have lost their appreciation for for soil and, and for dirt. I mean, dirt, there, there's understandable reason why people fear dirt. I mean, it, it's, it harbors all kinds of bacteria and listeria and all kinds of things like that. But that's not to say that it is to be avoided at all costs. I mean, we, we wash our fruits and vegetables so that way we don't get sick. That makes That much makes sense. But to have a almost like a feeling of disgust against the soil as a whole is ironic considering the soil is from which everything comes you know all all of the food that we eat all of the you know even like the earliest you know civilizations the houses that they built were built out of soil for the most part like they saw it as so valuable that they decided to build their foundations out of it and it might be partially because they just didn't have any other resources in the area but like some of the strongest structures that we've seen throughout history were built from soil you know or maybe like from rock or from you know like natural resources for the most part though until the skyscrapers came around but like there's definitely something to be said about soil and its and its impact on the world as a whole um and you know like we said in the martian episode you have to have viable soil to be able to survive you know he had to create his own soil which the accuracy of that we talked about in the other episode is not like super great but you know, bouncing back to the Outer Worlds example, like, you know, showing how soil in other planets is not as sufficient as it is on Earth kind of proves, you know, the point of, like, we need to appreciate what we have while we have it. Because we've already proven that Russia... Why did I say Russia? <laughs> we've proven that Mars... I 
I think I thought Red Planet, and I went to Red Red State, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, Mars. Don't know where Russia came from. Russia Sorry, Russia. Just, Russia has bad soil. <laughs> Russia has bad soil. I mean, it is cold there, so their soil is probably frozen over. But, no, Mars and the moon both do not have sufficient soil for growing crops. We're having to supplement their soil with our soil just to make it grow, you know, arable for, for crop growth. And that should kind of prove a point about something we're trying to say here in, in the Earth has everything we need we just like to take advantage of it and you know back to the outer world example it's it's the same kind of thing you know earth had everything they needed they just didn't take care of it until it was too late and now they're trying their best to find other places to have what they what they need but it's just not the same you know it, it can't provide them what earth could provide them yeah and i definitely i think it just comes back to education at the end of the day we need to properly educate people about the importance of these issues and about why appreciating what we have while we have it is important. I mean, you see all of these environmentalists nowadays who are, I mean, save the turtles is everywhere. And I agree, we should not be polluting our oceans with plastic. However, yes, while that is one of the large issues because of the amount of microscopic animals that help provide oxygen to the world and how most of our oxygen comes from the ocean. So preserving that is a little bit important (laughs) for us to stay alive. (laughs) We're not putting enough of our energy into protecting our crops and protecting our farmers and protecting the people who are literally also keeping us alive. With, you know, like we said, the food that we eat every single day. I mean, at the end of every episode, you say, if you ate today, think a farmer. Mm -hmm. You don't just say that because it's a cute little slogan. You say it because, no, he's 100% serious. If you ate today, think a farmer. Because, yes, even your Cheez-Its came from a farmer. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you know... It's not so much that I say it for the sake of I think that farmers need to be praised for everything they do. I mean, a lot of farmers would ask that you don't thank them just because they're too prideful for that. They don't they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to feel like that they're dependent on. They kind of just want to do their own thing, even if they are dependent on it and they are. But the reason I say it is because it's it's important for us to, for one, appreciate what we have. And, and for two, by saying that, by asking you to thank a farmer, it's kind of a call to action for you to go out of your way to kind of think a little bit about where your food comes from. And I'm again, I'm not saying it so that you go out there and thank the first farmer you see. It's more so for you to consider what those farmers are doing. You know, when I, when I say thank a farmer, I, I mean, think about the food you ate today. Where did it come from? How did it get there? Who grew it? You know, where, what did, what processes did it have to go through to become the food that it is? You know, it's, it's, it is a fun slogan, but it's, more like a homework assignment more than anything. It's it's to help people have a better appreciation for their food and where it comes from, and also to have a better appreciation for what we have on Earth. You know, I, I've been in conversations in the past where people are like, hey, you know, how how do we prevent a lot of this stuff from happening? And I always say, like, well, we're working on stuff with genetic modification. There's some new processes being involved with regenerative agriculture. There's new technology that's being implemented. Like, there's all kinds of solutions that we're working on. A lot of people don't like a lot of the solutions, but they're working on them. But the thing is, a lot of people are like, well, 
we don't have a food shortage right now. We have actually a food abundance. You know, we, we have a surplus of food. We actually are wasting more food than, than we can even know what to do with. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And they're like, so why are we producing so much? Why are we focusing on getting genetic modification now so quickly? Why are we focusing on getting new technology out so quickly? Why don't we focus more on trying to get that food to somebody who needs it? And while I agree that should be a goal of ours, it's important that we have the solutions in place to prevent things like Outer Worlds and Wally from happening before they even get to that point. And if we don't practice now, if we don't figure out how to refine that technology and how to refine genetic modification and how to refine, you know, the new methods and, and, and things that we're going to be using in, in modern in, and future agriculture, by the time it, com- it comes to the point that we're going to need a lot of that stuff, we might not have it ready. So it's important that we practice it now, figure out how it works, get it to where it needs to be, and then it's ready for us to use it in case we ever get to that point. And, you know, like, like we were talking about with Outer Worlds, they neglected their, their planet and, and it became uninhabitable almost in the opposite direction of Wally. You know, it was to a point where they just, they couldn't uh, cultivate it anymore because it just wasn't, you say, you say it was overgrown or? I believe the issue, if I remember correctly, was that it was overgrown. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's a, a battle that's had all the time between environmentalism and agriculture. You know, environmentalists will always say agriculture is destroying the environment we need to keep this under control but if you don't keep the environment under control it will destroy itself and us you know there's a lot to be said about how a lot of environmental disasters happen and a lot of it has to do with poor environmental control you know the environment is naturally going to hurt itself more than more than we're going to hurt it if we allow it to because the environment can be you know malevolent that's just kind of how its nature is um, it's sporadic, it's uncontrollable, you know, you have to do what you can to make sure it doesn't kill us. And as we learned from Outer Worlds, kind of the opposite situation of Wally, if we don't do our part to maintain the relationship with nature, but also use it to our advantage, we're probably going to get killed by it, or we're not going to have it anymore, or either it's going to kill us or we're going to kill it, if we don't have that relationship established. That's kind of what the, the big point that I'm getting to with all of this. Yeah, and I think... A really good first step that needs to be taken for that is something I know you've talked about on here before, which is farmers and regular everyday people need to have a better relationship between them. I mean, I know that before you and I started, like, even became friends, I don't think I knew a single person in agriculture except for one family and the only thing that they did in terms of agriculture was pesticides. And while that is an an important part of agriculture, whether or not some people will agree with that, it is. It's not the part of agriculture that people need to form a healthy relationship with. They need to form a healthy understanding of it, for sure. But they need to talk to all sides of the spectrum, not just, you know, one person who works for a pesticide company. So because of that, and I was also fallen under the trope at the time that pesticides are evil and they're going to kill us and we shouldn't be putting pesticides on our food because I was very uneducated about what pesticides do and how they affect us. But when I met you and you started introducing me to more people related to agriculture and more people who were actually hands-on with it, I started kind of changing my mindset and going oh 
this is actually super important. There's not enough people who have that healthy relationship because it's like you've said before, they don't like talking to each other. <laughs> no, they do not. And to your point, you know, a lot of people have that same reaction, you know, whether it be pesticides or GMOs or anything, they automatically think, well, the farmers are, are evil. They're just trying to do this to make money because they're all, you know, corporate tycoons and, you know, they just care about their businesses. They don't care about the people that they're feeding and all that kind of stuff. And while there may be some people like that, that is the massive minority when it comes to farmers. Um, I think that most people who have met those involved in agriculture would agree that they're generally very caring people, you know, and, and they care a lot about their animals and their crops and the people that they feed and they want to do their best to keep those people healthy and happy. And it's funny because, you know, that entire idea behind being afraid of pesticides or GMOs or, you know, whatever it is, side note, but, you know, the whole another reason why it's important to work on GMOs right now is so we don't have to worry about using pesticides anymore, but that's a whole other conversation that I've had in the past before. Um, but back to what I was saying, a lot of people will be fearful of agriculture because they have this terrible message about them spread on social media and through, you know, the government and through, you know, all these different mediums agriculture is kind of posed as the bad guy you know farmers are kind of posed as the villains of the story because everyone thinks that they're trying to poison us and they're trying to take over the world and they're trying to do all these terrible things farmers are just trying to feed their families man like most of them just care about getting their crop to harvest and feeding their families and that's about it and at that like a lot of people you know like like you just mentioned are very hesitant to trust farmers and you know it's it's an easy thing to to fall into but as soon as you meet some of them and start talking to them and kind of realize what they're doing and why they're doing it it starts to not only make a lot of sense but it, it almost gives you a positive outlook onto why agriculture is heading the direction that it is and i think that it's it's an important thing to bring up that you know like you mentioned you were fear you know you were fearful of, of pesticides before you realized what their utility was that tends to be the case with a lot of things in agriculture people are fearful of it until because they're you know like i said told all these terrible things about it until they do the research until they get the hands-on experience until they talk to people and then they're like oh that wasn't nearly as bad as i thought it was and if you look at the outer worlds and wally's version you know wally versions of this this idea you know we don't actually see agriculture publicly bashed in these you know in these mediums but we do see it almost rejected as an idea by the government you know the governments in both categories kind of say like hey no we're gonna take care of this don't you guys worry about going out there and trying to farm or anything it's all fine you know we're we're gonna we're gonna take care of everything and in reality they're trying to hide up something because they don't know how to handle it when when at the end of the day if they would just admit that the farmers are doing the right thing, then they would have been fine. And I don't say that as somebody who's trying to defend agriculture. I say that as somebody who has, you know, studied history and watched these movies and played these games and, you know, gone through all of this. And the result's always the same. Whenever the government or any kind of governing body tries to eradicate a source of food or tries to take it into their own hands without letting the people who are experienced with it handle it, it tends to end very badly for them and all of the citizens that rely on that food. Yeah, actually... In terms of social media representation of this, I think the only form of social media representation that I actually think did a good job of explaining how agriculture should be approached is Divergent. Of all the book series <laughs> that there are, especially the post-apocalyptic 
you know dystopian future dystopian future government and control book series and movie series as well the reason i say divergent did a good job with it is because one of the fractions factions one of the factions their sole purpose was to farm Hmm. and the reason it was their sole purpose is because when taking the test or what not i don't remember the whole details of divergent i haven't read it since i was 14 years old they were determined to have the best connection to the land and the most appreciation for it so they were the ones who were sent to be the farmers instead of the government being like we'll do it they actually put it in the hands of people who they knew were going to be able to take care of it and i think that's the only media representation i've ever seen of agriculture they do it a little bit in the hunger Games series as well but the farming district the farming district where they understand we can't do this so you guys are going to do this yeah well i mean it's also i i think that you know that's all fine and dandy but it's it's slightly different because whenever the government takes control of agriculture it's not like you have politicians out there tending to the fields they usually hire farmers to do the work for them but they put intense regulations on what those farmers are able to do so it's not like the farmers are actually running the farms like they want to it's more like the government is telling them what to grow when to grow it how to grow and do all these things and they basically say okay you do all the work while we sit back and watch and so that tends to be the issue that causes a lot of downfall i mean we've seen it in other countries we've seen it in different forms of media we've heard about it in stories you know it's something that is best to avoid because you know people like to think oh the government's gonna you know gonna take care of everything they're gonna they're gonna help us and save us and while the government can do some you know some good they don't know everything about how the world works you know they they can't they there's there's no possible way for them to understand everything and if they're studying politics their chances are they didn't spend a whole lot of time out on the farm so it's it's important that we we allow those who are responsible for growing food to grow it the way that they intend to grow it because at the end of the day like we've mentioned they're working with with the best interest of the consumer of you and me in mind you know because that is their end goal you guys determine what the markets are going to look like you buy what what they want to grow and or you tell them what to grow basically by buying their food and at the end of the day if you know if, if they're not doing a super good job you'll let them know and they'll either go out of business or they have to adjust their practice. So it's not like they really even have the ability to do any harm to, to the public because they just don't, for one, they don't have that kind of time because farmers have no time for anything. And for two, they don't care enough for that. They care about, like I said, two things, feeding their families and feeding the world. That's all they, that's all they care about. And if they think that one of, you know, one of those things is not going to work out, then, then they, find a plan b but their goal was never to hurt anybody so i'm i'm, I'm kind of confused as to where that came from but that's something that is slowly being taken out of the conversation yeah and it definitely needs to be put back into the conversation but at the end of the day i think you know we need to have an appreciation for our land we need to have an appreciation for what it gives us and what it allows us to do. And we need to give back to it so that it can continue to give to us. And we need to have an appreciation for the people who tend to it mm-hmm. and the people who work it and make it so that we have the food that 
is available to us. And then we need to have an appreciation for the food that is available to us. Because there are a lot of people who don't have that luxury like we do, you know? Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. So, I think that kind of covers everything. Um, I don't know if you had any more comments to make on the Outer world side of things. I have no knowledge of Outer world, so I can't add to that at all. But, yeah, I think that it tells an interesting narrative and it kind of like you said contradicts the wally narrative but in the same tells the same story kind of but yeah i think that that kind of addresses all the points that i was thinking of so i think that that's a good good point i need to stop thanks again for joining me for this episode thanks for having me on yeah if you, i don't know if you have any closing statements you like to make no all right, well, that will wrap up this episode. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, tune in next week for our last evidence piece of the uh, mini series theory, you know, part three, paragraph three, whatever you want to call it, before we wrap up the series. And then we'll have our conclusion episode, which I'm super excited about because we're going to have a very fun guest for it. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate all you guys for tuning in and uh, make sure you're paying attention to everything that's going on around you and read books and eat food and 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 all of that fun stuff um but i hope to, I hope to catch you all next week and don't forget if you ate today thank a farmer